This is Dialogue on Teaching. I am Nancy Lynn Westfield, Director of the Wabash Center, and of course, Paul Myrie is in the Sound Engineer's booth. It is my great pleasure to welcome to the show today, Dr. Serene Jones. Serene is president of Union Theological Seminary in New York City. And I'm also proud to say that she was a part of the committee that dreamed up the Wabash Center, <clears throat> excuse me, 25 years ago. Uh, and she was one of the first people on the advisory committee and in one of the first cohorts. So President Jones has been a part of the Wabash Center since its inception. And I'm glad to have you here in this conversation. Welcome, Serene. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the invitation to have this conversation, Lynn. And I do love the Wabash Center and the work that it does. And I'm so um, happy to see your leadership with all of its strength and vision. So it's a great to do this today. Yeah, thank you. So in, in this time where a movement is developing, where people are mobilizing um, and even talk, moving to talk about legislation, theological education is um, challenged to figure out what its location will be, should be, ought to be, <laughs> could be in uh, issues of justice. It is clear that uh, your leadership throughout your career, as well as Union Theological Seminary, have been stalwart supporters of issues of justice. So tell us what, what's happening at Union Seminary now in this moment? Oh, well, that's a, that's a great question to start with. Um, it's a very strange moment at Union because um, it's summer. Um, all of our uh, staff and faculty are working remotely. Most of our students have moved off campus uh, because of um, COVID. So. Um, we are not in a, the same physical space together. Um, and in the past, being together as a community physically has been so much a part of responding, uh, particularly to responding to and organizing out of union uh, protests in New York. So at this moment, we're scattered, um, but at every level, uh, people are involved. And I get emails and texts regularly from students, staff, faculty, board members who are out protesting, um, and who are doing lots of other things. Uh, probably don't have a single faculty member who hasn't been asked to uh, speak out publicly about what's happening from a theological perspective. Um, people are doing sermons, uh, podcasts, writing articles. Um, our executive vice president, Fred Davey, um, is also in a volunteer position, uh, the head of the Civilian Complaint Review Board, um, which is the independent entity that um, that civilians register complaints about police misconduct um, and uh, supporting his work. We were just thrilled uh, that last week the New York legislature passed 10 resolutions around police misconduct that have been on the deck for, for decades. Uh, the most important one is that uh, they passed 50A, which allows the public to see the disciplinary records as public information of any police officer. Um, so we have we are we are working not just at the at the very important street level and all of that amazing energy, um, but at the legislative level um, to push things forward in this moment of change, so that um, so that the the pressure of the people um, manifests itself into policy changes. Um, that means that at Union, uh, even before the protest began, um, we had ongoing, very important discussions about white supremacy and racism as, 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 as cultural realities, but also 
you know, very clear discussions of the legislative changes that are needed. Um, and I think that holding those two together um, is very important because um, any seminary that wants to be involved in the public pressure um, to radically rethink not only uh, police force in this country, but the economic system, the school system, the healthcare system, um, and, and the sort of basic needs uh, being met of the entire country. Um, you know, be, those are ideals and they're great Christian ideals, um, but they don't mean anything until they mean something concrete. And so we're trying to hold together as we work in, as we act in the streets, also acting in our legislature, knowing that, that, that both need each other. Um, we celebrated with great glee um, the Supreme Court decision um, this past Monday um, and saw that along with the New York legislature decisions. Just this huge like sigh of, you don't want to call it yet full-fledged joy, but at least like a hope that true change could come. Um, Meaning so they, they, upheld, they upheld gay marriage, right? Yes, the Supreme Court yes. decision as, well, that, as equal and, justice. To, they upheld gay marriage, but they said that um, employers cannot discriminate against anyone um, on the basis of sexuality, which means um, religious organizations that, because of their religious beliefs, want to not hire LGBTQ people cannot do that anymore legally. Uh, and it's amazing that this Supreme Court did that. Incredible. That should be a part of our theological reflection uh, and, and the sort of consequences of a decision like that in the midst of this. So let, let me ask a basic question and then we'll continue to talk about uh, life at Union. For those schools who are struggling to make the commitments that you all have made and have those commitments permeate an institution, how does that work? For so many of our listeners who are good-hearted people who want to do the work of justice but don't know how, right? How, you know, if the, how do you do this? How does, how, does it, how does it happen that a whole institution does not have to ask, should we be glad about the Supreme Court decision for equality for LGBTQ brothers and sisters, rather than, you know, of course we are, and we help make that happen. Well, that's a good question. It, it is uh, still a contested notion that theological education should be in the streets and in the legislation. Yeah. I'll tell you one more thing just before I start to answer that is uh, we decided this week to declare uh, Juneteenth um, a holiday and to make it uh, an annual holiday at Union. Um, and that's just going to happen. We just did that. Um, that's a, that's a, a specific institutional action that reflects your commitments. Um, so I'm in a unusual position in that I have an alumni base and I have a board of trustees um, and a student body and faculty for whom the commitment to doing public theology from a progressive perspective and doing it in action share that commitment. Um, and I know that many seminaries, denominational seminaries, as well as um, university located seminaries don't have that kind of expectation and support system around them. Um, so uh, it makes it, uh, you feel much more supported and knowing that you're doing the thing that should be done when all of those parts of the school uh, share these same 
deep values. Mm -hmm. I think when people um, uh, come to the moment of reckoning with um, the reality of white supremacy um, and sort of are able to move from just using the word racism to talking about white supremacy, um, that is a huge first step because it means that we're looking at the institution not just on the basis of specific discriminations against people of color, but you're actually talking about specific privileges that come with whiteness. And when you begin to talk about that, then you have to talk about the history of the institution. Mm -hmm. And, and, and um, in many of our seminaries, uh, uh, you know, the white leadership and board has to reckon at a different level with what kind of change we're talking about. Um, thing that is the people at the table mm -hmm. um, to do the work of change. And it's, it's, it's long work. Union has hardly perfected it by any means. Um, and that means uh, not only having <clears throat> great students who push for change and faculty who are writing about change, but you need to have an administrative structure that itself is committed to the change and reflects the change. Um, so when it came to the decision to make Juneteenth a holiday, it took two seconds for the whole administration to weigh in and say yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's required uh, years of work on building an administrative team. Um, and at Union now, um, I think our, our administrative team is, 80% um, people of color, um, predominantly African-American women who've been part of the struggle for a long time. And so, you know, having those voices at the table of making wide institutional decisions um, and doing so collaboratively has an enormous effect. And so schools need to start at that level as well. Part of, your, part of what you're talking about is institutional alignment. Right. So yeah. it's not about mm -hmm. a maverick going out or a po one pioneer going out and kind of declaring, you know, in some Cecil B. DeMille way, you know, mm -hmm. we need to do something mm -hmm. about this white supremacy. So it, it's about a vision for the school, about how we will be in the world, but then also having, as you said, a board of trustees, a faculty and a student body, administrative leadership that are aligned with the vision and the values. So many institutions are misaligned with the very mm -hmm. values that they hold. And Union has figured out in messy ways, right? So yeah. I've been in and out of- Always messy. <laughs> Always messy. <laughs> we celebrate our messiness. I mean, right? we don't ever oh. think it will be anything else but messy. <laughs> there would be something wrong if it wasn't messy. Wow. <laughs> well, well and, you know, and other institutions that claim neat and tidy, be suspicious of the neat and tidy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's also one of the clues to how to go about this change is you have to accept the messiness. Mm -hmm. You have to, you don't, you're not going to do it perfectly. It can't mm -hmm. be done perfectly because no one knows how to do it perfectly. Mm -hmm. And you have to be willing to say the wrong thing and make a, make a decision that you have to rescind. And you, you know, you have to live with that uncertainty, messiness, uh, a state of uh, sense of mercy and forgiveness um, and perfection is a killer of all change and the kind of deep change we need is in territory um, that no one's going to get it right but we can get it better 
So will, will there be, what, what are you anticipating in the fall for the fall classes? So certainly all, all, the, all our schools are figuring out COVID, right? So I've been working with a couple schools, not to figure out their COVID change, but to figure out a plan for their response to the, uh, the, the resistance and the movement against white supremacy. So, the, and they were, very, the schools that I've been working with are very clear about, they need to mobilize about COVID. They are less clear that they need to mobilize about issues of race and racism. But it's the same, same mechanisms, same yeah. but they get politically scared. But what, yeah. So what's happening at Union in the fall? Well, in the fall, um, so in September, um, we're gonna be remote and we're gonna have a few short courses. Um, and then we're gonna start late in, we're gonna start in October, October 5th. Um, we have a new dorm building that actually allows us to have a lot of students move on campus and if there's a resurgence to have them, um, we can meet the guidelines and specifications for, for quarantining because you, you live in individual units, not uh, large dorm units. Mm -hmm. um, and then starting in October, we're doing what's called remote flex. Um, and we're assuming everyone will teach remotely, um, but if uh, things improve and we're able to have small groups of 10 meet for discussions, um, we'll, we'll, ha we'll happily do that. We'll just monitor it closely. Um, so, you know, it's no genius in that plan. Um, and I think it, it's significant that, you know, we were at the epicenter of, of the pandemic. And there is, you know, at Union, a real a fear of the reality of what the pandemic can do, unlike some places in the country where it's a, it's a distant mystery of what the pandemic means. It's, you know, our students and our alums were frontline caregivers across the city. So that has also deeply marked the school. Um, but, you know, of course, the intersection between the two is multifaceted. Um, in New York City, you can't help but have smacked into your face um, the statistics on race and death um, and the high rates of the highest rate of Latinx people who are dying, um, uh, African-American people um, and all communities of color. Um, and what that says about the healthcare system and the disparity of income that's led to the comorbidities. Um, and I think as that tension and that reality uh, built, um, the, the, the murder of George Floyd um, was just like dropping a match yeah. on a tinderbox. Um, and I think everyone who's gone to the streets um, has struggled with this question of we've been so careful and good about protecting each other with social distancing and masks. Um, and now, you know, we're going out and marching in the streets where social distancing, you can try, but it at times becomes impossible. Um, and our response to that has been many of our faculty and staff, myself included, have marched. Um, I always wear a mask. I take lots of Purell in my pocket. Um, and I, you know, all union students are, are encouraged to wear masks. Um, and we want to know if, if students get arrested. Um, we had uh, one student who was spit on. Um, you know, that's a very, that's a very dangerous thing to, a disgusting, awful thing to do at any time. But right now in COVID, it's a, it's a horrible, dangerous thing. So, um, I, you know, both COVID and, uh, this uprising and Black Lives Matters both have to do with uh, 
saving life yeah. and doing what we can at a mass level to save life and one does not cancel out the others mm -hmm. so so we encourage our students to protest. We don't have any way of insisting they protest, but we don't prohibit them from protesting for health reasons and consider them adult enough to make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. so, so many people have said it's, it's such a time of confusion as yes. if these are new questions. And we know that they are not new questions. We know that they are not new problems. Um, they are problems that just when people in this moment said enough is enough. So if, if you would talk a little bit about what it, what it is to be a leader in this moment, right? So I, I can only imagine that there are particular pressures, not, again, not new pressures, but particular pressures that have come to your desk, come to you personally as a leader of an organization. How, how, what's, what has that been like? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think one of the things about leadership that goes back to this issue of alignment um, that you identified, which is talking about how do you get all the parts of an institution working together. It means that I am on the phone a lot with all of the different sectors of the school. And, and when major decisions are made or when announcements go out, nobody's surprised. Um, and so it's this behind the scenes work of, of talking through things um, with people. Um, so that it's not like a maverick form of leadership. It's a, it's a collaborative form. In fact, it's so collaborative that, you know, you don't even see it. Um, it's just a part of the, the ongoing communications. Um, but because of that, I've also learned as a leader that I'm going to lead best um, when I can say what I think on these political issues. Um, and the fact that I have a board that supports me in doing that is uh, uh, remarkable. But that, you know, when you're allowed to not be the president who has to sit back and act like you're neutral, act like you're morally neutral in, a, in an unambiguously amoral situation, I mean, that's a terrible situation for a president to be in. Come on, Serene, come on, that's exactly. <laughs> But, but so to, to find your voice as a leader and speak when, when life is at risk and has been for a long time. And this is not an ambiguous issue. And so for presidents to feel they have to make it ambiguous when it's not, I think um, really bespeaks a kind of um, protectivism that theological education has put around itself as if by not speaking, it can somehow please everyone and then sort of float above the fray. And it or even like claim some kind of benignness, right? A claim yeah, it's of- It's not benign. It's not benign. Silence is, is deadly for the bodies that it has always been yes. deadly for, right? All the minoritized yes. bodies in your silence, yes. you are complicit with the yes. oppression that we are struggling with. Yeah, and I also find in my own mind, if I can't speak, and in my own heart, if I can't speak out, uh, you know, that would begin to crush your own spirit mm -hmm. as a leader. And it's just important for self-care of a leader to not, to not adopt, uh, to not be forced into silences that are not the truth of what you believe um, in terms of, of what's transpiring. And I think that, that eventually over the years, you know, crushes people. Um, 
So don't be forced into silences of a truth that you don't believe. Yeah. Right. That's beautiful. Yeah. But and to think uh, as women, I'm particularly going to talk about women as women come into leadership and and bring voice, bring agency. To think that when you finally get to a place of where change can happen, that the price of that change is to be silenced, is mm-hmm. some kind of bizarre <laughs> reality. Yeah. 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 No, it is. Um, and. I, you know, I, I have the advantage of coming to the presidency from a life of activism. Um, so um, I think, you know, it would be impossible for me not to speak. I, this has been my life has been that. Um, but I think that, um, you know, you learn a lot uh, when you're part of social movements about how to speak about change. And we, uh, theological education, um, um, has a significant but not large number of leaders who actually have in their own life story been trained to know how to speak and to have uh, to have a support system around them where they have the courage to do it. Um, we've been more trained to keep the order. So, so voice usually means risk. Right. Even with the support of of um, your own constituency, voice in regional and national platforms, as Union Seminary has and as you have, uh, means risk. So how do you deal with the risk? Well, it definitely means risk, but (laughs) I can't write or say anything that um, some group of people aren't going to within union going to get upset about. Um, And I have. I, I actually love that about union. Um, Part of the messy. That, we love the yeah. messy. Yeah, <laughs> we love the messy, mm-hmm. um, the restless. Um, but the other risk, um, you just expect it. And mm. you, it's, it's mm. part of embracing the messy. Mm. Um, you know, there's risks and then there's risks. Mm. And um, I think we um, oftentimes leaders see more risk than there really is mm-hmm. that as if making these deep changes and speaking out, you know, is going to topple the institution and destroy their job when in fact, that's not the case at all. Um, and they can take bigger risks um, without devastating consequences. Um, but also when you're speaking the truth, okay, devastating consequences come at me, you know, it's like, uh, you don't need me as a leader then if if this is a truth that is not tolerable in this place um, and I, I'm lucky to not have had that experience at Union. So when the Wabash Committee offered me the job I'm like really are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> you know you know, you know the kind of stuff I'm, I, you know my work <laughs> are you, you sure? You know I have found my voice. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you know you know liberation is my thing right you know what I'm gonna do right I'm, it's, uh-huh. it's not a mystery right I'm gonna call people like Serene Jones <laughs> and <laughs> <have> public conversations <laughs> about the need of theological education to get in yeah. the fight. Yeah 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 no. Thank you. This has been fantastic. It's um, it's always th- there's something about the work, um, and I don't, I don't, I say this personally, but I also know it to be true just for the nature of the work. There's a kind of loneliness about the work, um, and there's a kind of um, 
of feeling like no one else understands. So when, um, and you're pushing so much against oppression, you're pushing so much against um, a, hegemonic, a hegemonic imagination as well as structures. And to know, to be able to look across and see at Union, there are people who understand, you know, at Fuller, there are people just across the country, there are people who understand. It makes the work easier. Um, so I thank you for um, your, your steadfastness in the struggle. I thank you for your leadership that has been consistent in the struggle, right? Messy and consistent, but consistently you know, messy. Consistently messy, but that, you know, you don't, there's no straight lines, right? Yeah. It's the roll and tumble. Um, to liberate folks. We're, we're about freedom for all the bodies, not just some of the bodies. Yeah, yes, no, um, absolutely. And it's all, it's so interesting. Um, like, as we look at admissions at Union for next year, and, and we've been out there on all of these issues, and we were worried in the, um, in March, if anybody was going to want to come to Union, because the pandemic was just really, you know, terrifying. And, um, but we've been just shocked in that we have um, a large class arriving in the fall and wanting to live on campus and wanting to be a part of it, even if they're learning remotely. They want to be a part of a place that is reckoning with what's happening in the world around them, even if that means coming to New York City and being in the, in the, you know, the midst of the densest um, pandemic population. So it, it, it you know, it, being um, out there and truthful um, pays off in terms of the sense of the authentic that attracts people. The, prof the, prophetic, the prophetic nature of the project, right? People want mm -hmm. to follow, to be about prophetic uh, ministries as well as have a prophet to follow, right? Who is speaking truth? Who is mm -hmm. saying with clarity? Uh, justice it has a place in these in these remote spaces called U.S. government, <laughs> um, yes. Yes. but in, yes. in our churches, right, mm -hmm. and, and in all mm -hmm. the ways that we live together. So, yeah. I actually think there's likely to be an uptick in the, in admissions and theological education. I think Similar so. To nine eleven, when people mm -hmm. were desperate to have these conversations, like you say, to have these uh, cohort experiences of people who are grappling, you know, above board about these things. I think mm -hmm. there'll be an uptick in our classrooms. I do too. I think, and especially now that so many schools are working remotely, um, you know, all the colleges and universities were saying, oh, we want everybody to come back and be face-to-face. -face. I think in, in seminary land that uh, working remotely is going to make it available to so many more people. Um, Accessibility. It's kind right? of a, a turning point for yeah. the whole enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, one, one funny thing I'll just share with you. Mm -hmm. um, it is about um, the importance of, uh, of lone, um, the, the harshness of loneliness and not being lonely. And for me, that has had everything to do with um, building a team that works together as a team. So you never feel like you're bearing the load by yourself. Um, and that takes time, but the payoff of having a community that holds you accountable and you hold them accountable, that you work together, makes all the difference in the world. So all of us have started in when we sign our letters and notes, unless it's something formal where we don't have a chance to put the salutation in or the, the ending point, we all sign our letters, no justice, no peace. Serene Jones, no justice, no peace.
I thank you. I appreciate you. I thank you for the leader that you are, and especially in this moment uh, where things are riskier than ever. So I'm glad we have our own collaboration. So thank you. Well, thank you for this conversation and for the work of Wabash and for your own work and your own prophetic voice. Uh, gives me courage and strength. And we're out. How was that, Paul? Mm-hmm.